0: You. It's a joy to be with you on this special Sunday. Congratulations on 20 years. That is tremendous. We just celebrated number 18 at Anchor Baptist Church this past summer, and so we're just a little bit behind, but uh, we, are, we are thrilled with what God is doing here, and we pray for you in this ministry regularly. We pray for the college regularly, and uh, God is doing great and mighty things here in Surrey, British Columbia. I'm honored to be a part of this special day, 20 years, and to God be the glory. If you have a Bible, please open it up with me. First off, to the book of Exodus. We're going to, in this Sunday school hour, look at three different mountains in the Bible. Three different mountains. Now, uh, I grew up in a part of, of the U.S. where we didn't have much in the way of mountains, comparatively speaking, to where we all live right now. I mean, uh, on a clear day, we see mountains all around us, don't we? And what a, what a majestic sight they are. I just got back uh, about 1.30 in the morning yesterday on Saturday from a trip to Michigan. I was preaching at a missions conference there at the church where my wife and I got married 25 years ago. 20 years ago, I was, uh, where was I 20 years ago? I was on deputation, just about ready. You asked that question. And actually, no, we already lived here 20 years ago, just about ready to move here. And, uh, but we, uh, we just got back and uh, we were in an area there in Michigan where it's flat. No mountains to to speak of. I I remember some of the guys would go skiing and uh, yes, there is skiing in Michigan even, I think some in the northern part of the state, but nothing like what we have here. We have enjoyed living here since the year 2000 and enjoyed the mountains. How many of you like to go hiking? How many of you like to go hiking in the mountains? yes. And when you get to the top, that's always the best part, isn't it? We finally made it to the top, and now we can work our way back down. I've had, I did get to go skiing a couple of times, and I think my skiing days are over. My knees have told me that. And so I'm not a very, uh, I'm not a very eloquent skier. I'm very hard on the knees. And so I think that might be why um, no more skiing for me. But in the Bible, I'm sure you're going to be familiar with these mountains that we're going to be looking at. Possibly uh, it will be, they will be new to you. But I trust that God's Word will speak to your heart. Thankfully, we have God's Word. Amen? Thankfully, as believers, we have the author of God's Word indwelling us. The Holy Spirit of God is in you today and in me today. And He wrote the Bible. He gave the Bible to those men. And they wrote the Word of God. And we have it today in many different languages. And uh, truly a blessing to have a copy of God's Word. Exodus chapter number 19, we're going to look at our first mountain. Let me just pray, and then we're going to read in beginning in verse number one. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being in church on this Sunday morning. Thank you for all that you've done in each of our lives. Lord, everyone here has a testimony to to share, I'm sure, of your grace, of your provision, of your leading in our lives. And today you have designed it that we would be here in this special meeting. In your sovereignty, you knew and you saw that there would be a Grace Baptist Church that would celebrate a 20th birthday today, and we truly are thankful for that. And Lord, today we ask that every part of this meeting, the meetings to follow throughout the day, Lord, that all of it would point to you and your power and in your provision and in all that you do for each and every one of us. Father, we would pray that if anyone would come on this property today that is lost and not sure of heaven, that today the Holy Spirit of God would draw them, they would follow that uh, conviction, and today, Lord, there would be people saved on this property. We pray, Lord, for your, uh, your deliverance uh, from different things that we need to be delivered from as believers, and we give you all the praise and glory for what you're going to do now. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 19, verse number 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the Lord. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord God called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings." and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine." Here we find mountain number one. Mountain number one is Mount Sinai. Most of us, I'm sure, know that the children of Israel have been in bondage for hundreds and hundreds of years. And God has delivered them from that bondage. And here on Mount Sinai, God calls Moses to give him some suggestions, right? No, they're not suggestions. They're not ten suggestions, right? They're ten commandments. And I'm so glad that in 2019, I have a copy of the Word of God. And if I follow the copy of the Word of God and what God has for me, many promises are there for you and for me. We'll talk about some of that later this morning. But we find here that uh, the children of Israel needed some direction in life. I can tell you for sure at my age, 46, I need direction each and every day. I need guidance each and every day. I need God to show me which way to go. You know, sometimes even, even uh, just driving around from, from A to B to C, and we take the same path. You know, sometimes I think we ought to really pray, God, do you want me to go a different way to, to work today? Do you want me to try a different road today? Do you want me to tr- go on a different path today? We met someone this morning on the corner of 88th and King George up here, and he was trying to get some money. And a guy in front of us gave him a $5 bill. I rolled my window down and I said, hey, we're going to church. Do you want to, do you want to jump in and go to church? We're having, a, we're having food afterwards. Some, a, rumor, a rumor came to me that there was food afterwards. And, you know, I really felt I didn't get the young man's name, didn't even get to give him a track. But he said, I can't come. I'm sick. And I said, what are you sick? Uh, how, what do you mean you're sick? And he said, well, I don't even remember what he said, but he was talking about how he was uh, drug sick. I, I don't remember the words that he used. You know, my heart broke for that young man. Somewhere along the line, he he rejected the direction that was put in front of him. Now he he may may or may not be saved. I don't want. To, I'm not going to say. He's not saved for sure, but I would say more than likely he needs the Lord for sure. But you know what? We as God's people, if we're not careful, we can reject what God has given us and we can find ourselves in a mess too. So God is giving Moses some commandments. He's giving Moses some instruction. And he even says this. I love what the, the wording of the Bible says here. Look in verse number 19 and uh, let's see here. Verse uh, number uh, 4. He says... Um, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto Myself. Here God's saying, Hey Moses, I want you to let the people know. I want you to remind the people of how I delivered them from bondage. I want you to remind the people of how I brought them unto myself. And so on mountain number one, we're going to see something on each mountain that is is, uh, 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 specific to that mountain. So on Mount Sinai, if, if you're writing notes or just remember these, try to remember them, we're going to see God's commandments. I think I've mentioned that already. God's commandments. If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to the New Testament book of the book of John. John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter number 14. Am I okay with this water, Pastor White? Okay. Thank you very much for whoever keeps that water going. That's wonderful. John chapter number 14. A very familiar verse, I'm sure, to many of us here this morning. Notice what it says in verse number 15. Verse number 15. I'm going to ask you to read it with me aloud, if you would. John 14, 15. If you're there, let's read. Ready? Begin. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Let's do it one more time. If ye love me, keep my commandments. I would say probably 100% of us today, if I said, how many of you love God? I think we would probably say, I love God. I mean, does He not deserve our love? Does he not deserve our love? Does he not deserve our commitment? Does he not deserve our faithfulness? He is the only one, by the way, that is worthy of our devotion. He is the only one that is worthy of our love, uh, completely worthy of our love. If we love God, that'll help us to love uh, everyone under uh, God, if you will, in our life. But here's the the if. You know, in the Bible, do a study of it sometime. Look up the word if in the Bible and and just do a study on all of the ifs in the Bible. I I actually have a sermon that I preached years ago, and that's what it was called, if. And we just looked at many, many verses in the Bible that had the word if in it. And here is one of those. If we love God, we're going to prove our love by keeping His commandments. If we love God, we're going to keep His commandments. Look at chapter 15, verse number 10, please. Mount Sinai, we see God's commandments. John 15, verse number 10. If ye keep my commandments, there it is again. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, you think about commandments today, and a lot of times, especially when we're younger, uh, and maybe the teenagers uh, who are in their own class, uh, but even younger people today, a lot of times when you think of being commanded, we kind of get our shoulders up. We kind of think, oh, no one's going to tell me what to do. You know, God's commandments are for our own good. God's commandments are like a fence. And if we will stay within God's commandments, it offers us great protection. You've seen the little dog that's gone, up to the fence, that's gone up to the fence. I mean a little dog, you know, that barely should be called a dog. You know, it's not hardly this tall at all. And you see the fence that that dog is inside of. And then you see the, the real dog. That comes up that stands about yay high off the ground, and that little dog that's, you know, it's got a squealy, squeaky voice for a bark, and it comes up to that fence and it's yapping its head off at that big dog. And usually the big dog doesn't even hardly say anything. You know? Big dog just kind of looks over at the little squeaky, squealy dog, and I don't know what the dog, I don't know what dogs think, you know, but if I was one, I could only imagine, you know what who do you think you are? You know, I could eat you in one bite. And yet that that little dog comes up to the fence, and I don't know. Maybe the little dog is thinking, if I could only get outside this fence, I could teach you. I could, you know, I could bite your knee, I could bite your kneecap until it till it hurts so much. I don't know what the little dog was thinking. But you know, many times commandments in our life are just like that fence. God has put a local church, and I know the local church isn't, but God has put a local church around us here in Surrey, British Columbia, around your family, around your marriage, around your life, and the local church that honors the Word of God, like this local church, Grace Baptist Church, and the commandments of teaching the Word of God are there for our protection. Praise God for the protection that you have here at Grace Baptist Church now celebrating 20 years. What a blessing to have a place that will come to us and say, thus saith the Lord. Because thus saith the Lord is a place for protection. Uh, I, I wrote down several things. It's a fence of protection. The commandments of God are a fence of protection from my flesh. You know, the Bible tells me about my flesh that there is nothing in my flesh that is good. Nothing. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And I got saved when I was nine years old. 1983, I got saved at the Highland Park Baptist Church. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, Dr. Lee Robertson was our pastor for eight years. And I praise God for my salvation. But you know what did not happen that day? My flesh did not die for good. It's why the Apostle Paul says uh, that I have to die daily. Because there is something in Ben Turner that does not want to obey the commandments of the Bible. It's called the flesh. The old nature, the old man, whatever you want to call it, there's something in me that if I don't die daily to it, I can be susceptible to destroying my life. I can be susceptible to destroying my marriage. Why? Because that flesh is so strong. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The commandments of God are to protect me from my flesh. Number two, the commandments of God are a fence of protection from the world. From the world. Where well, we live in a world that is devouring people all the time. We live in a world that offers so much, but it's short term, right? You know, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin. They only last for how long? A season. How long is a season? I don't really know. We can look on the calendar and see how long a season is. Rainy season, you know, in Vancouver, six months long. Or however long it lasts, maybe longer. But that's not the season that it's talking about. There is an ending to this, this uh, frivolous lifestyle that's, that the world that offers to, to us, it still offers to us. And we need to be careful as God's people. If you're saved today, we need to be careful to follow this book because it is a fence of protection from the world. And lastly, it is a fence of protection from our enemy, the devil. You know, we have one enemy as believers. One enemy. You know, sometimes, isn't it amazing? Sometimes, unfortunately, God's people think that another Christian is their enemy. Wow. That's so sad, isn't it? And sometimes, and I I, I love your pastor. I consider him a dear pastor, friend, brother in Christ. Whatever title, I'm so thankful that we're friends. I'm so thankful that we get to serve the Lord together here in the greater Vancouver area, reaching people in Canada, reaching people around the world. Thank you for partnering with our son Caleb and his family, and they're doing. A, their, their deputation is moving along, and we give God the glory for that. And all, all of what God is doing here, I, I'm thankful that it's not me against you and you against me. We have, we have an enemy, and it's not another Baptist preacher. Our enemy is the devil. And our enemy loves it when Christians fight amongst one another. You know, our enemy loves that because the energy that we're using should be used to reach people for Christ. You know, this fence of protection protects me from a roaring lion. How many of you have ever seen a lion in the wild? Anybody ever seen a lion in the wild? Anybody? Okay. I saw, one, I saw a lion in the wild in Uganda a few years ago when we were over there. Wow. Wow. Amazing, amazing! Thankfully, it was a long ways away from where I was, because I wasn't. I, I think he would have seen me and probably seen a snack. You remember that small dog and the and the big dog? Well, that lion would have saw me and thought, "Man, there we go. That's a nice treat." We have a lion who's much greater than the four-legged ones. Around the world, we have a lion who devours constantly. But the fence of the commandments of God's Word are protection. In other words, commandments are for our own good. Proverbs 7 and verse 2, the Bible says, Keep my commandments and live. You know, God wants us to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, every day is a new day. Amen. This is exciting, to be in the house of the Lord of the Lord's Day. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Proverbs 3 and verse 1 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So, Mount Sinai today, keep my commandments. Let's go to 1 Kings 18 quickly. 1 Kings 18. We see another mountain. Mountain number two is Mount Carmel. Not Caramel, as I used to think it was as a child. You know, I don't know about you, but there's some songs that we used to sing as children, and I used to thought it said certain words when I was a kid, and I sang them at the top of my lungs. One of them was, Bringing in the Sheets. For some reason, as a child, I thought we were bringing in the sheets. Seriously, until I got old enough to kind of read through, actually read through the songs, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheets. I don't know how many people laughed at me at church when I was a kid because I sang bringing in the sheets. Hopefully no one else here has been bringing in the sheets, but it's the sheaves, okay? But you know, sometimes we hear words, this was another one, Mount Carmel, I thought was caramel, but anyway, again, it's Mount Carmel, 1 Kings chapter 18, Verse number 17, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken, here it is, the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam, Now, therefore, send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400. How many do we have? 850. Which eat at Jezebel's table. Must have been a long table. Amen. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together. Unto Mount Carmel. I would think if you've been in church for a little bit, you have read this story. You have read about this miraculous event on Mount Carmel. It's quite the setting. A contest is about to begin between the prophet Elijah and wicked King Ahab. It was a contest, really, between the God of heaven and the false god of Baal. We have 450 prophets of Baal. We have 400... um, Uh, Prophets uh, of the Groves giving us 850. And we have one uh, prophet of God specifically here. There were others, but one prophet of God here, Elijah, representing the Lord. And and again, it wasn't a very fair contest, if you think about it, in the sense of numerically speaking. Look at verse number 37, please, for time's sake. The Bible says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know... That thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust. Can you imagine that? And the dust. Boy, that would have been something else. All the dust gone from that, from that altar. And licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Here on this second mountain, I believe we see... The company of God. The company of God. We could say the presence of God, but for sake of trying to remember it, the company of God. So on Mount Sinai, we saw the commandments of God. And let's not forget that, that the commandments of God are for our good and for God's glory. They're there to help us. The second mountain here we see is Mount Carmel, and we see the company of God. Turn over quickly to the book of Judges, chapter number 6. As we think about the company of God, Judges, chapter number 6. Elijah was not alone on Mount Carmel. God was there. And by the way, the God of Elijah is still as powerful in 2019 as on Mount Carmel. The God of Elijah is with us as much as he was with Elijah on Mount Carmel. The God of Elijah can do great and mighty things for you and for me for Grace Baptist Church as he did for Elijah on Mount Carmel. It doesn't matter what it looks like to us. God sees it from a completely different view. I remember a pastor many years ago explaining something like this. He would say that when he was young, he would sit at the foot of his mother and his mother would be doing some sort of knitting or some sort of... I don't even know if it was knitting, but I know there's different terms for all of those things, but be doing some sort of crocheting or knitting or something, and from his view, when he looked up to see his mom doing it from the bottom, it was just a mess of strings. And he was thinking, you know, what, what are you doing, Mom? It really looks, it doesn't, I mean, it's just a bunch of strings underneath there. And then when she would finish, she would bring him up and sit him on her lap or sit him beside her. And, and she would show him the other side of what she was working on. And it was a beautiful piece of artwork or a beautiful piece of knitting or something that she was working on. You see, underneath, it looked like it was kind of just a conglomeration of strings going here and there and everywhere, but from her, his mother's view, it was exactly what it was intended to be, because she was creating something that would be of value or that would look wonderful. You know, we have a great God today in 2019 that is doing a great work through Grace Baptist Church, and we have a great God that's doing some certain things, and as we look up, we kind of look at it like this isn't how we plan it maybe in your home you look at some things in your home and in your life You think, this isn't how i plan it but i want you to know something as a believer god promises something he promises to never leave you and never forsake you i want to encourage you with something the bible says at the end of the great commission he said lo i am with you always even unto the end of the world we have a God who is with us today. We have a God who loves us today. And we see the company of God. We see the presence of God. Here's another instance in Judges chapter number 6 as well. Look at that quickly, if you would, in verse number 16. We're going into the life of a man named Gideon. Notice what he says. And the Lord said unto him, the hymn is Gideon, Surely. I will be with thee. Let's read that together. Just starting with the word I, God, and then ending with the word thee. Ready? Let's read it. I will be with thee. God is with us. Notice what he says there. He says, And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You know, God and, we, and me... We make a majority. Hey Gideon. Hey Elijah. Don't worry. I'm here. Hey, I know you're looking for a building and property and things like that. And we've been praying with you, by the way. We we pray with you over there on the on the other side of the Fraser. We pray with you that God would supply. And we know you're praying with us, and we give God the glory for all of it. But don't don't lose sight. Don't don't lose sight of God in all of this. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And the goal is always God. The goal is not a building. The goal is not property. The goal is not anything. The goal is always God. And you know, everywhere we go, God is with us. God is with us. We see the company of God. Turn quickly, if you would, to Exodus chapter 33. The company of God on Carmel with Elijah Just some other examples. Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 15. Actually, we'll we'll read verse 14. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. This is God speaking to Moses. Should have actually started. Let's Let's just slide up to verse 12, please. Sorry for that change twice here. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. You haven't filled in all the details yet, God. What's the scoop? Um, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Wow. Wow. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Hmm. That's for us too. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, this is God now, and he said, my presence shall go with thee. Boy, mark that down. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. God, if you're not going, I don't want to go either. In other words, I I think this is how we might say it in 2019, not that I'm changing the Bible, but this is what I've said. If it's not your will, God, then I don't want to be a part of it. God, if you're not leading, I don't want to go there either. Why? Because we always want to be in the company of God. We always want to be in the company of God. The prophets of Baal outnumbered Elijah, but it was this second team member that Elijah had that made all the difference. What a mighty God we serve. This mighty God goes with His children everywhere we go. This mighty God is here today. This mighty God will be with you this week when you're not in the house of God and you're not around all the the balloons and the great celebration here, and I'm for all of it. This mighty God will be with you when you're all alone as a believer and you think no one knows. God knows. Why? Because you as a believer always have the company of God. When you're facing something that seems impossible, like Elijah, or like a Moses, or like a Gideon, know this, God is able. God is able. God is able. And we have the company of God with us. On Mount Carmel, we have the company of God. We have one more to quickly to look at, but really it's the most important one. Look at Luke 23, please. Luke 23. Thank you for listening. Praise God for His Word. Luke 23, the Bible says in verse 32... In verse 32, this is your church, Grace Baptist Church, and you're regularly attending. I just ask you to continue to be praying for the next service to follow. I'm not trying to skip over this last point because it's the most important one anyway. But please be in a spirit of prayer uh, for the next meeting as well. God tearing His coming. And if God comes, we'll celebrate the 20th anniversary in heaven. That's okay. Amen? And so look at Luke 23 in verse number 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary our third mountain is Mount Calvary. There they crucified him and the malefactors One on the right hand, and the other on the left. Would you turn over to John 19? With that in mind, John 19. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross... Of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother. Now, we all, I think most of us know what has happened up until this point. With, because we don't have time. I mean, Jesus is in a very, physically speaking, he's in, he has to be in immense pain. For what his body has gone through. The cat of nine tails being hit, spat upon, the robe on his back, the robe torn off of his back. Now he's on, and the nails going through his hands, and the nails going through his feet. And now he's on the cross. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. This scene, this scene on Calvary appeared to be a scene of defeat. The followers of Jesus, Mary, her, Mary's sister, her uh, John, the disciple, and now Jesus is moments from dying. The one who they followed ministry-wise for three years. The one who they witnessed do all sorts of miracles. It seems like a defeat on Calvary's cross. The man who claimed to be the Son of God was tried and convicted and sentenced to die. Unjustly so. No one really understood, yet they shouted, Crucify! Pilate said, One shall go free, and which one will it be? They cried, my Jesus had to die, because He was guilty of loving me. On Mount Calvary, we cannot help but see God's compassion. God's compassion. Jesus is hanging on the cross. His body is racked with pain. He has lost immense, tremendous amounts of blood. He's having to heave and get up on his feet just to get a breath of air. And what, is, what does Jesus show? He shows compassion to his mom. What does Jesus, I mean, let alone, I mean, yes, the sins of the whole world. And this is why I say it's the most important mount because the sins of the whole world. By the way, let's, let's make it personal. My sin. Let's make it personal. Your sin placed upon him, God's wrath poured out on him so that God's wrath would never be poured out on a believer, was poured out on the Lord Jesus. And he pauses in the middle of all that and he says, Hey, Mom, Mother, John's going to take care of you. John, take care of Mama. The compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ can be seen here on Mount Calvary. It was this mountain that the price was paid so that we could have eternal life. The Bible says in Isaiah 53.5, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. It was on Mount Calvary that we find the old rugged cross. In that old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see, for it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. Mount Calvary. It was on Mount Calvary that we find the greatest display of compassion known to mankind. I wonder today, you've come to Grace Baptist Church, and even in the Sunday school hour, I'm not going to assume that everyone here in Sunday school is saved and on their way to heaven. Possibly you've come and you're in, you're here for Sunday school today. And you and if I were to meet you or talk to you and say, do you know for sure if you died today that you would go to heaven? And you say, Pastor Turner, Pastor White, I'm not sure if I died today I would go to heaven. You need Jesus. You need to you need this compassion to be receive it. The Bible says in Acts sixteen thirty one, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. I'm thankful that as a nine year old boy the gospel was given to me and today at forty six I'm saved by the 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 grace of God because of the compassion that was seen on Mount Calvary. For God so loved the world. You know what? God loves you. You can look in the mirror in the morning. And you might see some things you wish weren't there. But you can say this. God loves you. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of His love in the book He has given wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest, that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. You can sing that too. That can be your song. Why? Because of the compassion We see on Mount Calvary. Mount Sinai, we see God's commandments. They're a fence to help us. Not to to prevent us, to help us. Mount Carmel, we see God's company. Mount Calvary, we see God's compassion. Let's pray.